Hey, welcome back everybody. My name is Christian Medina and you're listening to another episode of Try Except Pass, the short form podcast that helps you learn more about your favorite development topics. We have a special treat for you guys this week. I hope you enjoy it. Many years ago, after the internet started and began to grow in popularity, it was still easy for you to come up with a website and get it listed in some directory like Yahoo back in the 90s in its heyday, and people could find your site and navigate to it with ease. You'd get some traffic just from being on the internet. Over the years, obviously, the complexity and amount of data available on the internet has grown exponentially, and with that, search engines have had to improvise and make better algorithms to not only be smart enough to know what you as the user are searching for, but also understand the hierarchy of structure that makes the internet as it is today. That means they have to come up with some mechanism for them to understand how your website relates to the rest of the world and whether people would be interested in actually finding it. Doing so has essentially created a gate in front of your website that you need to understand how to open in order to allow other users that are simply passing by the street into your place of business or your website. And that is what search engine optimization is about. While chatting with Michael Kennedy from the Talk Python to Me podcast about the subject, he thought it would be a good idea for his show as well. So what we did was we put our resources together and recorded one joint episode that I'm going to present for you guys here. My conversation with Michael is pretty long for our usual episode format. In fact, it was longer than his episode, so we had to cut it short a little bit. Um, So I've split it in two, and we'll have two sections that we'll go over. Today we're talking about what is SEO, why is it important, and what tools are out there to help me understand it, And in the future episode, we'll be going over the discussion of what does it mean for me as somebody developing the website as a software developer? What do I need to watch out for to better improve my chances to have uh, uh, better search engine rankings? All right, so let's get to it. Welcome back. Welcome back. You've been on the show a couple of times. You first came on the show with episode 166 for continuous delivery with Python. And that was really interesting to talk about continuous delivery, but it was also one of the shows that just had so many little tips and tools and techniques that was like, so many people wrote in and talked about it. It was like, it was awesome. And it was like, it was awesome, even if you don't care about CICD. So that was, that was fun. And then you came back and we talked about Python packaging and the options that you explored there. Yep. Well, what I'm wondering though, is if somebody went to the internet and they did a search for those things, would my site come up? (laughs) I could tell you mine won't. (laughs) Yeah, I've been reading a lot about what makes all of that work. So in running the the stuff I do at TriExit Pass, it's been interesting trying to understand how the internet actually works. You think you know how it works, but you don't. You think you actually have control over what you see and how you get to it, but you also don't. So um, it turns out that a lot of that is filtered through a bunch of companies and those tend to be mostly Google, but Bing plays a little role in it as well. So that's why, you know, if you've ever had the the situation where like 
you're talking to a buddy and you Googled something and you're like, why didn't you find it? I Googled it and it's right here. And yeah. And your buddy Googles it and the search results are completely different. There's a lot of stuff that happens in that algorithm that really has an effect on how well your pages show up on search results. Well, I think that that's a, a good indicator or data point for just how much the algorithms are playing a role here, right? Like if I go and search for something when I'm logged in, I get different results than if I search when I'm not logged in. And anytime I want to try right. to assess how is this thing actually ranking for the world, like how is it really being relevant to others, I go and open an incognito or private window and do my search there because there's a lot of different things at play, right? There are a lot. And so for example, like I have, like I don't log in, like in my work account isn't tied at all to my home stuff, um, the results are completely different when I'm at work and do Google searches. And so it's interesting because, you know, one of the main reasons the internet is what it is, is like this freedom where everybody can post information and make it available to the whole world. But actually, it turns out there's all these gatekeepers that have come up in recent years, and it's all based on all the search algorithm and all the search engine rankings. Yeah, everything is free, and there's like this abundance of information. But when there's too much of an abundance, then it's not providing the information or the actual information itself that's valuable. It's the, the filtering and the grouping and the directing you through and just mostly get rid of all the stuff that's not there, right? Like, okay, what do I actually care about when I'm saying, like, I need to learn this thing in Python or I want to read something about this news event, right? It's not that's that right. it's trying to show it all to me. The actual role is to, like, not show me the stuff. Like, show me only what matters, which I think is a... It's a little bit contradictory to the way the internet started, right? Like it started out with yep. like, I don't know. I think of Yahoo as like the most prototypical early, early, early days where it was literally a directory, like a directory, the yellow pages yeah. of the internet, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so crazy. It's all been kind of like incremental steps on how to make it easier for you to find stuff, but also how does the search engine determine what is a valid result for you? But, you know, by them doing that, that means they have applied a filter on all of the websites in the world, right, in order to do this. And if you're just a lonely old guy that wrote something that you just want to make it out, polish it out there, people finding it is not as easy as uh, it sounds. Just publishing something on the internet these days is not enough. Yeah, it's not a field of dreams. That's right. Build it and they will come sort of thing, right? So uh, maybe let's take a real short step backwards and talk a little bit about TriXEP Pass what you're doing there, what you're trying to grow there, and whatnot, just to give people a sense of like, why are you studying these things? What are you trying to do? Uh, sure, sure. So, so I started TriXEP Pass almost five years ago now, which is kind of crazy. That's insane, right? As a Medium blog, right? And so then uh, I had the domain name, the TriXEPPass.org, and then, you know, I, I wanted to get off the platform and start building my own thing. So I have a, you know, it's website, there's a collection of articles about how to build real world software, problems you run into with uh, engineering and, and stuff like that. And now we have a podcast on top of it, right? Yeah, your podcast is pretty new, right? You've got like six, seven episodes. We're up to episode eight okay. this week. Yeah, yeah. right on. I'm going to be putting them out more regularly now. But uh, yeah, so based on, on that, I really wanted to go hard on trying to get more visitors last year. And I started to read about what I needed to do in order to make that happen. And I have discovered all this stuff that... I thought about SEO as uh, SEO meaning search engine optimization, right? Because we technically haven't defined the term. So 
when people talk about how to make your website visible in a search engine, they're talking about optimizing it so that it shows up appropriately, right? So I had traditionally thought about this being more kind of like a keyword thing that maybe marketing does or sales or somebody else does for a large company website, but I, I had <laughs> yeah, realized- Yeah, the site works. I wrote it for you. Now it's up to you. That's right. Your to, turn. To like get you, it, go, you get it right? to rank, baby. Yeah. Fill in the fields and you're done, right? But it doesn't <laughs> work that way. It turns out you need a bunch of hooks in there in order for it to actually be picked up appropriately by the search engine algorithms. And I'm not just talking about the traditional, like there's always been these like robots.txt files or sitemaps, XMLs that help search engines a little bit. But it's uh, way, way deeper than that with uh, a bunch of meta tags and, uh, you know, formatting and, and a bunch of stuff that we'll get into in a minute. Right. And, you know, performance is playing a much more significant role in SEO than it has traditionally. That's right. And one of the main things is that because uh, mobile is such a big thing, then performance has become a lot more important. Like it's always been important because the better performance you have, the more global access your website gets because internet is not the best everywhere in the world. But um, with mobile, that has become more of an issue because not everybody has like the fancy high-speed phones, right? So it turns out that a lot of how your website is ranked is tied to that. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to talking about all of these things. I just kind of want to put it out there at the beginning, though. I feel like that it's so easy to fall into the trap of well, a little bit of like, if you build it, they will come, right? Like if I build something cool, people will eventually find it and it will rise to the top. If I build some amazing site, some service, some product, whatever, I want people to come check it out. If it has merit, people will come and love it. And, you know, stuff like this, as you know, the SEO, as well as like the other sides of marketing and just getting the word out, right? It's so tricky and vague. That's but right. it is actually what you have to do to make that succeed, especially in a world of abundance like we are now. Yeah. So building great content is just like step one. However, there is still an aspect of if you build it, they will come because if you built something that's fantastic that everybody wants to read, then more web pages will link to it. And that also has an implication in your rankings as well. Yeah. But yeah. I'm sure you probably don't have any insight to this answer and I'm just speculating, but you know, Google is built on PageRank, which is sort of how many pages refer back to a given page in yeah. the super early days that was like the primary link and the people would go do stupid stuff like they would buy links on other domains like just pages yeah. of links or other really shady stupid stuff i wonder at some point though when is like machine learning going to be the thing that decides right when is it going to be just like well there's a deep neural net it already is yeah you think so oh it's big time so that's why that's why google is pretty much an ai company that's what they have, right? Uh, yeah. Vast amounts of machine learning to try to parse. I mean, these things are reading the content of your web pages to decide how to rank it. It's not just about links. It's about the structure, the grammar, how many images you have, how well the images are formatted, how it flows, all that. All that's all machine learning. Wow. Okay. It's crazy. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I didn't realize this was so advanced. <laughs> I mean, I always kind of knew, but I didn't expect it to be this. This advanced. Yeah. Well, there's so much money behind it, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. In terms of advertising, right? It's one of the most valuable companies in the world. And that's basically makes them an advertising company. And, but the yeah, ads and, are around like this kind of stuff. So I, I can see, I guess so, why there's so much effort. And the other interesting part is, right, 
that ranking algorithm, the SEO algorithm that Google uses, generates entire industry. There's people that exist around how that algorithm works. And Google doesn't tell you how it works. It kind of gives you clues here and there. But what happens sometimes is they update it. And so then there's people that have been sitting at the top of the first page of your 10 results off of Google and all of a sudden become number 100. And there's like real economic consequences out of that, especially yeah. for, for like blogging community, the people that live off of uh, content that they produce in smaller websites kind of thing. They're always on top of that. Right. So let's start with defining a couple of terms that you sure. have here. One is uh, domain rank and one is page rank. Yeah. So we've been talking about ranking a little bit. So what happens is each page in your website gets ranked and there's a lot of things that come into that. And it's like you get a grade, right? And the higher the grade, the better. From the tidbits of information I've been able to gather here and there, we just kind of talked a little bit about it. It's the, the content matters, how many words in the page matter, grammar, how uh, performance, we'll get into that later. The links from external websites that are linking to your page and the links from your page that are going to external websites. Not just how many, but like what specifically, how that hierarchy is set up matters, right? And so that gives okay. you a grade, right? And so then to your page, but there's also a grade to your domain. So like I have trackseppass.org and that has a rank and that rank might, I just checked just a little bit ago that rank was in the 30s, 33 or something like that, which is, I'm actually happy about that, which is not a great rank, but it's, it's good because I started in the 20s, but it took me a year to get to 33, right? Yeah. Where do you check this rank? Uh, yeah. So there's a bunch of tools that do this. So, so aside from Google having their own little internal search engine ranking stuff, there's entire companies that do this. And uh, so I use moz.com, but there's also Alexa. I've seen some of those. They have some, some free accounts you can get with them that gives you some, some extra information on, allows you to do some searching and limits how many searches you can do but you can also you know if you get like a full-blown account you can like get into like nitty-gritty details but those guys keep their own thing too right they give you a ranking but it's not the ranking that google's giving you. it's just an approximation of what we think google will be giving you and really really the key player is google it's yeah. crazy yeah i mean there are other search engines but they're pretty safe to just ignore them right i mean there's bing yeah bing still gets a little bit yeah, but, and there, there's uh, DuckDuckGo, right? Yeah, actually, I've been using Duck, DuckDuckGo for six plus months now as my primary search engine. Yeah. Okay. How's that experience been? Yeah. It's been working nicely. I like it. And they got very, very similar tools to what you get out of Google search. But, you know, they're, you know, they're still building up their stuff. So uh, every once in a while, you still got to do the Google search. I don't know. I've wanted to use DuckDuckGo and I very much support the privacy side of things. Like I would right. prefer to <laughs> give less to Google, although I don't hate, hate them. I think they offer a lot of great services, but I'm like a big fan sure. of using Firefox over Chrome, for example. And DuckDuckGo seems like a really easy choice, yeah. but like searching for stuff is so essential that like, even if it was down 5%, I feel like I really want to do that to myself. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm trying to find that one, like, the red race condition for sequel alchemy. I'm uh -huh. trying to, like, I just don't want to, like, it's already, I'm already frustrated a lot of times if I'm in that kind of scenario and I'm like, I really need the best answer, like the best answer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I've had a few of those uh, lately and, and yeah, it helps, you know, the Google algorithm is better for some of that stuff for sure. 
Just a short reminder that this episode is brought to you by us at Try Accept Pass. We run our website, tryacceptpass.org, with more articles on real-world software. When you swing by, don't forget to sign up for our mailing list because we do giveaways here and there. At the moment, we're giving out course codes to the 100 Days of Web course written by the folks from PyBytes and TalkPython Training. I also wanted to give a quick shout out to TalkPython and TalkPython Training. I think Michael's doing a great job with uh, his uh, products there. So feel free to stop by their website if you're interested in courses or more information about Python and the things that make it great. All right. Yeah. So we talked about domain rank and those kinds of things. So I went to moz.com and I clicked on free SEO tools and that comes up and says, enter your domain and we'll tell you a couple of things. And then I also went to a a private incognito window and did a search. So one of the things that I am a little bit proud of, impressed with myself that I was able to do is that if you do a, it's super important that you're not logged in, right? Because it totally could vary on your history. That's right. At least where I am now at the time it is now, it's been here for a while. If I go to Google and I search for free MongoDB Python course, the number one result is freemongodbcourse.com, which is my course for my, like it's nice. a, a landing domain. Good job. And That's not easy. And, <laughs> and uh, like number three is MongoDB's actual free courses, <laughs> right? Which nice. are taught in Python. Nice. So I'm feeling really good about that. I put that into that domain. There's only one page there, right? So I think that hurts it a little bit, but if the search lines up just right, it's okay. So because it only has one page, it is like a page, basically. The domain authority is 22. Okay. Yeah, so that's kind of okay. Uh, I'm not sure what yeah. to think about that, but... It's low, but it's, it's, it's okay. It's low, but it's like one niche thing, right? Yeah. It's ranking keywords are 36. I don't know what that is, but the spam score is only 2%, so that's pretty good. And then I uh-huh. threw a talkpython.fm in there, and that's domain ranking of 49. Yes, that's very good. Yeah, that's awesome. And its spam score is 1%, and it has 1.6 thousand ranking keywords. Sure, okay, yeah. So the ranking keywords is the, the stuff that search engines would use to figure out whether to list your website as a result or not. Theoretically, the more you have, the better. I see. It shows, also shows you cool things like, here are the top ranking keywords. Uh-huh. And it's, I guess this is where it ranks if you were to search for this, like Python podcast, it's number one. Async techniques and examples in Python, it's number one. That's kind of cool. And then it has like more by number of clicks. So it has like 100 days mm-hmm. of code where we're not that high, but it's like there's a ton of search clicks for it. I feel like this actually gives me a lot of pretty interesting information. If there's another tool in there about link research and you can pop your website in there and it tells you the things that link to you. Okay. That's also important. Yeah, so, absolutely. So yeah, we were talking about your rank, uh, what links to you matters because it helps with your rank, but the quality, like the domain authority of the sites that are linking to you is a modifier on how much that link matters to your website. Right. Because there are aggregators. So like I found that Like I have a bunch of aggregators that link to me, but their domain authority is so low that they don't really affect, those links don't really affect my stuff. Yeah. So it's like multiplying by zero, right? These links are coming in, but they mean nothing because they're like so badly ranked. That's right. And interesting, we talked about like my domain rank for tracks that passes 33, but some of the pages in there have a different page authority, like the microservices 
article of mine has the highest page rank of page authority of 52. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's interesting how all that plays a little bit. And so if you go to that tool that does some link research for you, it'll show you the number of links you have as well based by the domain authority of the linkers. And that brings me to something else we'll talk about later about how you do your A tags, your href tags in HTML and why that matters. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, I think there's some really some of these great tools out there that I think people just don't think to use. Like I used Moz a long time ago when I was setting up my training site to try to understand how I might make it rank better. But then I actually forgot about, I didn't forget about Moz, but I like it went off my radar and I stopped using it. Like I literally haven't been to moz.com or whatever the URL is for like a year. Right. But I should be going there frequently and like looking at how things are evolving, what are new trends and how can I get involved with like what has some traction and what can I make it grow? Right. You got to be careful not to do it too often because all this stuff takes like weeks to propagate. It's like changing DNS servers or something, you know, it takes days. Well, this <laughs> Does takes it work weeks. Now? Does so, it work now? Like, no, you really yeah, need to stop right. asking and just wait a while. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So in, in terms of tools while we're on it, like the Moz one's great for getting domain ranks and, and links and stuff like that. But there is a Google search console as well. Have yeah. you used that one? I have used that one. And that is pretty good. You can say, show me some of the keywords. How do I rank against them? What are my popular right. keywords? And you can trust that even a little bit better because it literally is from Google, right? Google says, here's how we would rank you for this thing. Yeah. And the interesting part is you get like how often people have been clicking in search results to your domain. You get total number of times you've shown people your domain. Like I was looking at my stuff. I have like 2% average click-through ratio is what they call it. So my domain has been shown 240,000 times uh, in the last three months, I guess. And out of that, it's been clicked 4,800 times. And it gives me the average position that shows up on the Google search results. And the goal is, like you said earlier, to bump that into at least the top 10, right? And depending on what, and you can play with that to find which search keywords give the highest position. Like I have, if you look for distributing Python applications, I'm number four, according to the search console, right? But the domain just in general is on average of 20. Okay. It's a lot of little things. <laughs> yeah, there are. So let's see. If I go here, yeah, four, I got to have a, a range, I guess. This is over the last couple months. Search results, 18,688 total clicks. That's pretty cool. Yeah. The other one that's really interesting that I guess we should maybe talk about, this is like definitely on the developer side, is um, error pages sitemaps, yes. that kind of stuff. Because the, the next graph that I see here is a graph that says, here's the coverage of our searching of your site. You have 3,573 valid pages, which might blow people's minds, but there's like, you know, all the courses and every lecture of the course has its own transcript landing page for SEO somewhat yep. and for usability. Like there's a ton of pages and then it has the number of errors. Right now I have zero errors and 3,573 valid pages and it shows the growth of errors over time and pages over time. And I put a lot of work into making sure that my sitemap is like complete. How much do you think that matters? It's important. And they use the sitemap to figure out how to crawl. So not only is that important for your main page, say you have a staging page. I don't know how you do your stuff, but like I have like a staging version of Triaxet Pass where I try stuff out. You can configure stuff 
not just with the sitemap, but with with like robots.txt, so they don't crawl those pages because you don't want those to show up and affect your search uh, results, especially because they're going to have errors and stuff like that. So as a developer, that's one of the things you got to worry about. I was working on a website for my company and application service a while back, and uh, that's uh, like we had a staging version. I didn't know about any of this, and I'm like, oh man. So our domain, we had like staging dot our stuff and just a regular production version. I'm like, oh, maybe all this affected our page rank out uh, on the real yeah. internet, right? Yeah, it's basically it might divide it by two, right? Because it's the same content, and so that's right. So that brings me it, might as well talk about it now. So so we've been talking about links. So having copies of your content counts against your rank, right? It basically dilutes the value. And then other things are able to get above it, right? Yeah. So essentially, they try to figure out whether you're plagiarizing your own content, like whether the <laughs> domains are plagiarizing it, essentially, right? Yeah. So if you have like the exact same article show up somewhere else, that becomes like that whole page, that whole article, both yours and the other person's will have a lower ranking compared to yours. And so that's right. why, like if you go to sites like Dev.2 and you publish something there, you can link to your article, to your original source, and you, you add an extra piece of information in the tag, in the HTML tag that says this is a uh, canonical link. So that means that the original source, you're pointing to the original source, and then the search engines won't count dev.2 against your original article. And they're actu- they'll actually complement each other. Right. Okay. So I ran into something like that recently. I had the strangest problem, which I came up with an even stranger solution to. I spent days, days trying to solve this problem. If you went to talkpython.fm slash forward slash or training.talkpython.fm slash forward slash, I don't remember which of those two sites it was that had the problem. They are both on, they're both on Ubuntu 18. They're both running Nginx. They're both running the same type of certificate. They're basically identical servers. One of them in Safari, whether it was mobile, like this is actually where it matters a lot. It's like all of iOS. <laughs> you right. would go to one of them. It would say it was an error where like the site said it disconnected. Like the connection was reset was the error. You look at the logs and it was fine, right? I see. Yeah. But any other page on the site was fine. Like slash episodes was fine. Slash about was fine. Slash Anything other than slash home was fine on one server. The other server was fine everywhere. I spent days trying to figure this out and figure out what the, like everything I could tell the two servers were set up the same. And I just finally said, you know what? If iOS is happy with slash anything, but the slash like by itself, I'm just going to redirect it to slash home and have slash home be like a copy of the homepage that is for Anytime I detect Safari, I'm like, dude, we're just going to redirect you to like another URL that's deeper in the site, but it shows the same content because that one renders fine and just the forward slash didn't work, right? So I was like, forget this. But what I didn't think about was the SEO impact of that, right? Because if Google comes and says, today I want to be Safari, let's see what's up. Like, oh, I'm over on this other page, which looks like the same content as Chrome saw yesterday on forward slash. One of the listeners said, you know, you have the same content. You really should use this rel equals canonical on there. And so what I did to like stop undermining myself while still making (laughs) iPhones work was to just put like do a test. Like if it's slash home in the template, just put a meta tag that says or whatever kind of tag says rel canonical is 
the forward slash URL, not the forward slash home URL. That's right. Yep. But this can be used in other places. Like if you want to write on Medium, but also on your blog, but have your blog get the SEO juice. I don't know if it works on Medium. It works in some places, like Dev2 and other places, right? Dev.2 has it like in their stuff to set it up. You have the capability of doing that. In Medium, I know you can add some HTML stuff in there, so it might. That's one of the reasons I got off of Medium a while back. Honestly, I'm not a fan of Medium. I think it's a beautiful site. It's a nice experience, but I, it just, yeah. it, there's just... The paywall killed it for me. Dude, there's just too many things that go against the grain. Like, I'm not even against a paywall. Somebody says, like, I want to do, like, deep writing and have people pay for that. That's great. Like, that's, that's their work sure. and their choice. But I feel like Medium was built up on the back of, this is a free place that people can do awesome writing. Let's all get together and then, like, yank on the rug, and now it's paid, right? You know what I mean? It's like, I feel like they didn't build on that ethos. And but, so it's like a bait and switch, yeah, that's which is I why I don't like, like it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what killed it for me. And so, like, for me, that switched off of Medium, it was really hard. I mean, I still get people following me on the Medium article. Right? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, how do I, how me, do I bring that traffic to my website? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. So while we're on it, this is not exactly SEO, but it does talk about rank and keyword and relative stuff. And it's really good for exploring other sites. So have you played with SimilarWeb? SimilarWeb.com? No, I, I saw you added the, the link. And I pulled it up, but just barely looked at it. Yeah. So if you go in there, you just type in any domain, like you could type in like talkpython.fm or you could talk realpython or practicepaths.org, whatever you want. It'll come up with a ranking. It only has like tons of information for sites that are ranked well enough, but it will show you like traffic over time, month by month, right? So right now it says I'm getting 56,000 unique visitors a month who spend an average of four minutes and visit 3.45, 3.42 pages and so on during their visits. And this is not because it's plugged. I don't even show this up. Is not, yeah. Well, it's got to get to like a certain level, right? But yeah. But you could take any, like if you have a competitor or something you're trying to like, hey, we're building a site. We want it to rank. Here's some of our competition. And they're, they're ranking well. So you can put that in there and you can see like traffic by countries, traffic sources, the referrals, the places that are linking, like you talked to, linking into it. So apparently GitHub, Python.org forums.fast.ai all these are like strong linking referring sites to mine not because i know that but because this external thing is like tracked it just yeah okay whether the traffic is paid so this is a good one for like how and then you could put another domain next to it and it'll put those charts next to each other and say here's how you compare to that other place in general ranking traffic types of traffic and whatnot i could have sworn that some of this was also available in moz um, if I find it, I'll 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 sure. give you a link. But yeah, yeah, no, that type of analysis is really really interesting and and useful. Yeah, because uh, yeah, that helps determine how well your stuff is going to show up. Okay, so that's it for this week's episode. Hopefully, you've gained a better understanding of what search engine optimization is and some of the tools that you can use in order to improve it. Uh, make sure to swing by the show notes to get links to those. Don't forget to change your perspective and understand that search engines are performing a gating function for the discoverability of whatever website you've written. That means you're going to have to play ball with how they like to see things in order for your website to be visible by other folks. 
because simply being or having a URL out on the internet doesn't mean that other people will be able to find it and uh, read it. I didn't want to leave you without one final thought, which is the more I've learned about how these algorithms and gating functions behave, the more I realize that they are actually controlling access to information. Whether intended or not, that is what's happening. And that has implications, not just for us and our websites and services that we want to sell to our customers, but also for countries and governments and education. If Google deems that the next Einstein is incredible enough, you will never find his law of unifying gravity in the internet. Just something to think about. Thanks for listening to another episode of Tracks That Pass. If you liked it, feel free to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. iTunes is the SEO gate for podcasts. If you're interested in us covering anything in particular, leave us a tweet at TriAccepPass. And don't forget to sign up for our mailing list to stay up to date with our latest and greatest. This is Christian Medina wishing you good times and good tinkering.